0: Welcome to this bonus episode of Battling with Business with me, Gareth Tennant. For those of you that regularly listen to the podcast, you'll know that this is a podcast where we like to explore concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership, and all things in between. We like to compare our experiences from the military and the business world to try to work out what makes teams, leaders, and businesses tick. As a former Royal Marine, I'm particularly interested in how we form teams that can make sense of complexity. I was recently kindly asked to be a speaker at a technology conference called Technology Behaviour Data. And I thought it would be quite nice to share the speech that I gave at that conference with you. Technology Behaviour Data is a conference that was founded by a good friend of mine, Paul Armstrong. Paul runs an organization called Here Fork. He's a journalist and future technology advisor. He's the founder of the Technology Behaviour Data Conference. And he is the writer of the book, Disruptive Technologies, which is a really good book. It offers a clear and concise way of thinking about how future technologies are going to change the world of business without being too techy and without being too preachy. And I highly recommend it. The conference itself is an annual conference that tries to prepare attendees for the future by increasing critical thinking, strategic insights, and risk awareness around changes in technology and changes in social behavior. This year, I gave my talk on "Lesson in military survival, how to survive the next 24 months without spending a penny. If that sounds like the kind of thing that would interest you, then you can find out more at the website, the TBDconference.com. That's thetbdconference.com. So here it is, four lessons in military survival, how to survive the next 24 months without spending a penny. Thank you, Paul, for that really flattering introduction there. And I'm delighted to be back here at TBD once again. This year, it's about matter and energy And that got me thinking about the relationship between the two and the fact that energy can't be destroyed or created. So it's constant, but it is continually changing. And I'm going to use that tenuously to talk about how organisations can continuously change to adapt to uh, the environmental conditions that are disruptive and changing around them. So here are four military survival lessons, but for business, on how your organisations can prepare and respond to the changes and disruption that is inevitable over the next 24 months. Rule one, be more like a sniper and less like a marksman. I want you to imagine a marksman firing on a rifle range. They're hitting the target dead centre and all of their rounds are in a nice tight grouping. So they are both accurate and precise. Now imagine that the wind picks up and takes their rounds slightly off center, their rounds are probably going to land, let's say, up and left of the target, but probably still in a nice tight group. So they are being very, very precise, but now they're quite inaccurate. And if they don't adjust their point of aim in response to the changing conditions around them, they're going to continue to be inaccurate, no matter how precise they are. And this is something I see in organizations all the time, this subtle difference between precision and accuracy. Organizations quite often focus on their targets. They focus on the efficiency of their teams, and they don't worry quite so much about the potential changing conditions within which they're operating. And this leads them to become precisely inaccurate. Think about Kodak or Nokia. Really, really good at what they do. The relevance of what they do is what changed. The environment around them is what changed so they continue to be precisely inaccurate. The other thing about a sniper is that they report their information to their commanders, and commanders, good commanders, revere their snipers. They listen to what is being reported. Snipers are out at the edge of the organization, at the front, taking risk, interacting with the environment and reporting back, allowing commanders to change their operations in response to changing uh, Targets and changes in the environment. So, who are your snipers? Who are the people who are out at the front of your organizations that are daily interacting with the environment, feeding that information back? And are you allowing them to do that? Are you empowering them to do that? And are you concentrating more on being precise or more on being accurate? And where do you get the balance between the two? Okay, rule two, no plan survives contact with the enemy. This is a famous dictum by the German general Hermann von Moltke, but I think probably is more well known in the paraphrasing of this concept by that great philosopher, Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And what is meant here is no matter how well you plan, how much detail and time you put into it no matter how good you think the information you're getting in is, um, no matter how uh, meticulous you've been, no plan will survive the reality of the change that is inevitable. Things will go wrong. There will be challenges that disrupt your operations. And so when that happens, the trick is not to be thrown so off course that the plan falls apart. So General Eisenhower once said, in preparing for battle, plans are useless, but I find planning is indispensable. So whilst the plan you create, once put into action, may not be the actual sequence of operations or the exact allocation of resources that you anticipated, the process will have forced you to go through thinking about things in a different way, to think about different options, to think about contingencies it will have stretched your thinking beyond the routine or the expected. By planning collectively, you problem solve together. You ideate together and you develop a common and shared sense of responsibility for the challenges that lie ahead. And perhaps most importantly, you have a shared template from which to adapt as the situation demands. This only works, of course, if you plan as a team. If you plan in isolation as a commander or as a senior manager, keeping everybody else out of that planning cycle, keeping them in the dark, then you lose all of those benefits. You also lose the benefits that are um, the dividend of diversity, the different perspectives on looking at problems. So whilst I was a commander, the ultimate responsibility for plans lay with me. The process of planning was me relying on those members of my team but often had deeper specialisms than I did, and therefore had better solutions to certain challenges and problems. It is only a very arrogant leader that thinks they know more than everybody else. Lesson three, the person at the front of the stack calls the shop. So I spent some time as a team commander doing counter piracy boarding operations. Um, and we were a small team trained to board and search suspect Uh, vessels, clearing through them and removing the threats as we found them. And in a small team like this, the key is mutual trust. Each member needs to rely on everybody else to cover their arcs and communicate what's going on around them. When clearing a complex space, like a building or a ship, you have to operate as a team, following a set of rehearsed drills, but applying them to fit the obstacles and challenges that are specific to the space you find yourself in. You have to move through rooms and corridors queued up behind each other. This is what we call the stack. And as you go past doorways or windows or hatches or obstacles, the front member of the stack will cover these and stay fixed in position as everybody else rotates or files past them. And so what you find is at some point or another, everybody will be at the front of that stack. And being at the front means that you have the best view of what's coming up, of what you're approaching. The best understanding of potential threats. And therefore, you need to be communicating with your team what they need to prepare for and what they need to do. And it doesn't matter if the person at the front of the stack is that 20 year veteran sergeant with all the experience, or the five year captain with a master's degree with all the knowledge, or the six month marine who's only just joined the team. The person at the front has the best view and therefore calls the shot. The other thing, of course, is the person at the front is also exposed to the risk. They're in the firing line. The lesson here is that it's not the highest paid person that makes all the decisions, nor the most experienced person, but it is the person who is best informed to make the decision. So While strategic and operational decisions were made by the commander, tactical decisions based on current threats and current obstacles and challenges were made by the person at the front of the stack who had the best view of what those challenges were. To observe and respond to a change in the environment, we need to push people forward and we need to listen to them, we need to empower them. We also need to plan collectively so that we can understand what is needing to be achieved and we collectively have a template for doing that. And then finally, we need to empower and listen to our people to make rapid adjustments to the plan as the situation changes. Now, that's all well and good. But however, simply just saying, I want to empower people isn't enough to make it happen. Empowerment is incredibly difficult to do. And we talk about it a lot these days, but there's very little substance behind it. And the way you do it is to build mutual trust between senior leaders, and their subordinates. And we must provide our subordinates with both the resources and the opportunities to step up and make decisions, so that when they're at the front of the stack, they know that they have the accountability and the authority to make those decisions, to tell the organization what they need to do. Now, this doesn't just happen when they find themselves at the front of the stack. This doesn't just happen when there is a threat The leader's job is to facilitate the professional growth of every individual in their team every single day and build that trust. We all know information is power and therefore we need to be sharing that power and keeping people informed about what is happening and why. We need to give people the opportunities to consider their actions and make decisions in achieving the collective goals of the organization. In military planning, we follow what we call the one-third, two-thirds rule. And this simply encourages empowerment at, a, at an organisational level as they tackle challenges. So if you think about having a challenge that is bounded by a deadline, something that you need to complete, consider the total time available for completion. The leader takes one-third of that time and then delegates two-thirds of that time downward to everybody else. And then the leader who is subordinate at the next level down takes one third of that time and delegates two thirds down to everybody else. And the trick here is to focus on the why you want to do things and what you want your team to achieve and let them work out how they will achieve it. It's a simple rule, but it takes self-discipline from leaders to follow it. But when you do, it shows, it demonstrates a belief in those under your command that they can contribute to problem solving. There is nothing worse than the feeling of having no time to complete a deadline, to working till you know, the early hours of the morning to hit that deadline, to complete that slide deck, knowing that your bosses have sat on this project for the previous two or three weeks. They've taken all the time deliberating, forcing you to have to do the work in a really short space of time without having the time or the space to actually give it your best. The next 24 months are going to be tough. There will be uncertainty and there will be disruption. to so here are your marching orders. Scout ahead, use those at the edge of your organisation, seek out the targets and keep you informed of the change and take the uncomfortable decision of listening to them, even if you think you know better. Plan collectively as a team, but be willing to adapt that plan as the situation changes. Rely on those at the front of the organisation to guide your adaptation. Take advice from those who engage day to day with that changing operating environment, with suppliers, with clients, because they will be the people that see the threats and see the opportunities before you do. And empower your people through your actions. Give them the resources, give them the time they need to deliver. And start doing that today, rather than waiting until that crisis hits you. And that's how you will build a resilient team that will survive over the next 24 months. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you on the other side. Godspeed.